0: Mr. Beverly Hills, I know we have a podcast ready, locked hot in the can, ready to be uploaded to the uploaded to our websites. But I have some something special lined up.
1: But but what are you thinking? What are you? What are you? What's going on in that big brain of yours? Okay, hold on a
0: a second. Let me dial up that number one nine hundred nine oh nine nine nine. Oh, oh, and. Nah, Hey, dirty dog, I hear you calling. I think it's
2: time for the show. The sleep old has got me confused, but maybe here we go. Mr. Hills and the dog from Maine, event status radio. They're recording again, ha, ha.
1: Bagels and biceps all over my screen. What are we
2: supposed to do?
0: Recorded live in the offices of Made Event Status Rodeo. Recorded (laughs) live on the telephone waves. This is 400 plus pounds of Twisted Steel and Sex Appeal, that made Mid-Event Status Radio. I am the Tony Giovanni of the podcast, the Dirty Dog Darcy, and joining me is my broadcast partner, the Mike Tenay. to my Tony Giovanni, Mr. Beverly Hills. And Mr. Beverly, we are doing something very special on today's podcast. One may compare our special surprise as a Bobby Heenan to our Tony Giovanni and Mike Tenay. Beverly Hills, what are we doing today?
1: Yeah, I, I am actually very, very, very excited. Um, as we've just finished reading and reviewing The Death of WCW, we have, pro- I'd say, our biggest guest, um, a person that I've read, listened to for many years, the, one of the authors of uh, Death of WCW and the purveyor of WrestleCrap.com, uh, R.D. Reynolds, on the line. How's it going?
3: It's going great. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Although I am a little confused whenever I heard that uh, it was the dirty dog, Darcy and Beverly Hills. No offense, sir. Whenever I heard it was Beverly Hills, I was expecting a a woman for some. It's a very very, uh, glow, you know, type of thing.
1: (laughs) It really is. You're right. You're right. Well, you know, what what we do when you put the blonde wig on when you put the when you put the robe on you know it's it's we live in we live in a modernist nation
3: right so. these are things we don't need to know <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the very definition of tmi right the kids still say that hello yes
1: I know, yeah you know mm. I Artie, think you're, so. you know I Artie, you're so. say,
0: you're saying that you know you're the Beverly Navy, you're expected a woman at least to tease your co-host who isn't here to defend himself at least Beverly Hills doesn't have a higher voice that Brian Alvarez does.
3: Well, there is that. <laughs> I <know>. Poor Brian. <laughs> we'll we'll, we'll let him uh, sink or swim on his own merits. So. Yeah,
1: right. He gets to defend himself. Yeah. I'm, sure, yeah. I'm sure it was quite the change when you hear my dulcet tones and, and you're expecting you a, lo- a lovely young lady. <laughs> um yeah but just just jumping in um I guess my first question is just kind of like just your general history and um I know from your from your website and and all that that you eventually got into uh independent wrestling, and we were just kind of wondering just a brief kind of bio of you as a wrestling fan, and what made you get into this crazy stuff?
3: Sure. Uh, Well, I first got into it. uh, It would have been right after the rock and wrestling connection in the '80s, Uh, and a buddy of mine said, "Hey, you you know that he was he was telling me about something that happened on wrestling, and I had never paid any attention to wrestling at all. You know, I was I was too busy playing video games, or uh, yeah, yeah, probably just too busy playing video games or messing around. You know, uh, watching Star Wars, what have you." Uh, but he said, you know, he had watched wrestling and I was like, well, you know, if my friend's watching it, I should probably watch it too. Um, so I started watching and the first show that I ever that I really remember watching was Primetime Wrestling. And I watched that and I remember seeing a match with the British Bulldogs versus the Hart Foundation. And that's really what got me hooked was seeing the British Bulldogs. I was like, man, this this is really athletic, this is kinda of fun uh that got me started but what really got me hooked and you'd mentioned his name earlier uh was bobby heenan uh who to this day i still consider the you know just the funniest guy that was ever in wrestling uh and you know prime time wrestling that was my thing i mean it's its still to this day it's funny whenever i watch wwe network uh nine times out of ten i'm watching old primetime time wrestlings. Uh, When I was younger, I would literally videotape primetime wrestling. I would tape none of the matches. I would just tape him and uh, Gorilla Monsoon. Uh, you know, in the in the buffer segments because I thought they were so funny, and especially they would go on location. You know, they went to Tony Hot Dog or Tony Tony Paco's Hot Dog Emporium in Toledo, Ohio. I'll never forget. <laughs> you know, and they just just absurd things like that. They went to an old Western movie set, yes. uh, and they would they would go on location, and it would always be so much fun. And you could tell that you know, even then, you could tell these were two guys that were just ad living the entire time and you know they were just letting bobby heenan be bobby heenan and that's what really got me uh really got me hooked in in wrestling and then of course i started watching everything i'd watch nwa i'd watch world class i'd watch um you know awa uswa whatever whatever i could get my mitts on i would watch awesome
1: awesome yeah that and that whatever you think is evergreen versus things that age over time. I don't think those Bobby gorilla segments will ever get old there.
3: There was just a magic there and you could tell it was just two friends that were just goofing off, you know, for our amusement you know, and right. half the time, I mean, you could tell Gorilla was, like, just getting ready to lose it. I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, we have so many, uh, you know, Gorilla, famous Gorilla Monsoon, you know, monsoonisms almost. <laughs> where he, you know, you know, I'm going to get you, yeah, you know, I'm going to, will you stop? Exactly. You know, that diplomacy. was, like, his famous one. And I think that was that was just his go-to whenever he was going to lose it. <laughs> yeah. is that he would you know he couldn't you know, just start cracking up on camera although a lot of times on that show he would and but you know before he got too out of hand he knew he was going to lose it he would just he would he would blurt out will you stop and that was you know <laughs> i think their kind of code uh okay you gotta you gotta pull off because i'm i'm going to you know lose you know uh, I'm, I'm not going to be able to keep a straight face
1: right and so. and i feel like uh, you know Half the time Bobby would, and the other half he like read it, and he yes. would push harder.
3: <laughs> Correct, just, and it was yeah. almost like a challenge. Yeah, exactly.
1: Know? How uh, am I gonna mm-hmm. break you? Yeah, I've I've been yeah. watching some of
0: the early the WCW Nitros on the up on the network, and one of the highlights for me ha- has to be hearing Bobby. He didn't you know doing the color on the shows, and especially with early days with Mog, over hearing those two banter back and forth, and and all that. Yeah, just I feel like. The early days of the Monday Night Wars, Bobby Heenan was a helpful hand for me to yeah, bring it from like the eighties into the I guess the uh, peak of professional wrestling in the nineties.
3: Yeah, it was, it was too bad that 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 uh, Tony Schiavone never really would feed. I mean, it's basically what Monsoon would do is he would feed Heenan you know material, and Tony never would. To the right. point that it was such a, you know, I talked to Bobby years ago about this. And, and he said, you know, Monsoon actually said to me, do you want me to call Tony up and explain how to do this? Oh. And Bobby was like, no, no, don't, don't do that. And I don't want to cause any trouble. We'll just, you know, who cares? We'll just let it go. But I mean, that was something that I really wish that Tony would have done more of. And I never wow. thought Tony was this terrible announcer that a lot of people do. Uh, I really think that after I thought Tony was pretty good, especially whenever I first saw him, which would have been on, you know, Saturday night, you know, on TBS back in the day. And I thought Tony was pretty good announcer. I think after a while he just, he just got burned out. Uh, and then he was just, you know, he was there collecting a paycheck. So, which which was the case with a lot of people there.
1: Sure. Yeah. You can really tell when Tony kind of checks out. Um, Mm -hmm. It was really interesting that you uh, that you said that. I I noticed that Tony had a tough time first playing along with uh, Jesse Ventura when he came over in in ninety two, um, mm-hmm. and it se- yeah, it just seems like he maybe had I don't know a tough time ad libbing like you were talking about the the skill that Gorilla had of you know playing off those kind of wacky characters, but
3: yeah, yeah. I almost think that, that Tony was was probably just. Better is just a straight play-by-play man by himself, and he probably would have been fine. So
1: right, I would agree. I would yeah. agree. Um, so you, I think you kind of touched on it. We're, we're leading into it, but what led you down this kind of interesting path of you know looking at the the worst, looking at the the dregs or kind of the hilarious dregs of wrestling in uh, wrestle crap. What led you down that road?
3: Ever since I was a kid, I always liked to find. Like the, you know, what is the, what's the worst possible thing? Because it's, to me, it's always interesting to see the absolute best of something or the absolute worst of something. There, there's, there is, there is something interesting about both. Yeah, I mean, I love to watch, trust me, I love to watch, you know, a a five-star wrestling match or or whatever you would say. I love to watch that, but I also love to see just the absolute worst because there's comedy there. And comedy has always been very, very important to me. But I remember when I was a kid, I had a, somehow I got my hands on, uh, the book of lists. And it was literally just this book of random lists and... It had a list, I'll never forget it to this day, that was the worst movies ever made. And this would have been back, you know, the book had to come out in the late 70s, early 80s, something like that. Okay. And it was telling, you know, bringing up all these terrible movies that I had never (laughs) heard of. I mean, the the internet wasn't around then, so you couldn't just, you know, Google worst movies. And it was talking about, um, you know, Plan 9 from Outer Space. It was talking about a, a movie where John Wayne played Genghis Khan, oh, and just all these terrible ideas that you're just like, man, who who would have even come up with something like that? That book of lists was something I will always remember because specifically of that list. And then years later, I actually we actually did the WrestleCrap book of lists, and that mm-hmm. – that that was the reason why, because I was like, it would be fun to go and you know recreate what was something that was so near and dear to me in my childhood. But I've always always thought that the, um, you know, just I love to look at at the worst of everything, and it's not just wrestling. I mean, I love to look at the worst of video games. I love to look at you know worst movies. I mean, last night I was we were sitting around the house, uh, me and my wife, and we're like flipping channels. There's nothing on. And I turn on Netflix and I see Hercules in New York is on, which was a 1969 movie with – it was actually – it was Arnold Schwarzenegger, but it was before he even was Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was actually Arnold Strong, which is (laughs) – I don't know how he switched to Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) But yes. if he would have stayed Arnold Strong, he wouldn't have just wound up as the governor of California. He would have been the president. He wouldn't even have been the president of the United States. He would have just been king of the world Yes, if he would have stayed as Arnold Strong. So, I mean, that's <laughs> always something that, that has been – I always just love to look for the worst of things. And so this would have been uh, back in 99, I had paid too much for a computer. And I was trying to justify I think having did. having having spent all this money. I think it was like that's like two or three thousand dollars back then. Okay. Wow. That's a lot of money back now, as I like to say. And <laughs> it was it was something that I was trying to justify why did I spend all this money on a computer? And I was like, well, you know, this internet thing, that's starting to take off. I should probably figure out something to do with that. So I was trying to come up with a website, and my two primary interests uh, at that time were video games and pro wrestling. So I looked around, I saw all these video game sites, I saw all these pro wrestling sites, and I knew we had to come up, I had to come up with something unique. And one night I was talking to my friend, uh, his name was Merle, Merle, uh, Merle Griggs, they called him Merle Vincent on the site, but he would... Uh, we were talking about something he saw on Nitro, and he said, "You know, did you see uh, Nitro?" And I said, "No, I missed it last night." And He goes, "Oh my gosh, we well, got to see it. it's the worst thing I've ever seen," and I said, "Well, then you've never seen the Gobbledygooker," and then that started about a two-hour conversation about the worst things we had seen in wrestling, and that's how we, you know, that's how I came up with the with the idea for the site. Uh, and then the name WrestleCrap, I was trying to come up with a, a name for the site. You know, it's like, okay, Wrestling Hall of Shame, you know, Worst of Wrestling. And I just, I knew it had to be something really short, uh, you know, just blank, bang.com, you know, whatever it was going to be. And I was just kicking around and I, I looked at my uh, wife and I said, uh, what do you think of WrestleCrap.com? And she just rolled her eyes and went, "Oh my gosh!" And I was like, "Perfect!" And then that's <laughs> how the name came.
1: That's amazing. I, don't now, I you, remember.
0: The, she oh, was, sorry.
3: the rolling of the eyes was what what sold it. So
0: I know you I were talking that. about uh, crap and all that, and mm-hmm. you know, talk, you know, back in '99. I guess that's one thing I like about now in 2015 with the WWE network, with YouTube, and whatever else. We can go yes. back and find the worst of things I don't know last week that we watched two matches from, I think 2000 WCW, the, the match from Thunder, where David Arquette won the world title in the San Francisco yep. 49ers match.
3: Oh and, yeah. With the, with the picture of Scott Hall, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah just, that was, yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> yeah, 2000 WCW. It was funny whenever we, we were coming up with the idea of, uh, you know, writing the, the, the death of WCW originally. And I was talking to Brian uh, about it, and I just said, man, that's what I was thinking, right? I was thinking, oh, my gosh, David Arquette, you know, these train wreck matches, you know, San Francisco 49ers, uh, the Inferno match, you know, with, with Vampiro and Sting. And I'm just thinking about all the comedy. I'm like, this is going to be the funniest book ever. Oh, then we're going to have a, this is going to be great. And Brian goes, do you realize we we're going to get really depressed writing this? And I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> you know,
2: David cat, and, and what yeah. a
3: train wreck it was. And he's like, no, you're going to get really depressed. And I started going back and watching, you know, all those uh, early nitros. And I got <laughs> <Sure>. so depressed <laughs> because it was like, oh, man, there, there used to be this real alternative. There used to be this real other company. And for a time, if you didn't like what was on one channel, you switched over and you got something different. And now we don't have that. And at the end of the day, as Brian is so fond of saying, uh, he was right. Uh, I, I did get depressed. Although I still think it's a pretty funny book, so.
1: Oh, I agree. Um, just before we before we jump into WCW more, just my one personal story about wrestle crap. I was in like ninth grade. Sorry for, to date us there, but I was I was way back then, like in two thousand two. I was in the computer lab in school because, of course, I didn't have one of my own. I'm looking and, you know, my like you said, my biggest interest is pro wrestling too. And I'm like, okay, I don't know any websites I put in to Google or I don't even know at that time, Funny Wrestling. And I hit uh-huh. go, WrestleCrab number one website ever since then. And I, <laughs> I, I don't know what was up on it. Um, at the time, I don't know what the first one I read was, but... It, <laughs> Thank you to whatever algorithm that brought funny wrestling to uh, to wrestle crap because it was it was awesome. And it led me really to what like uh, Darcy was talking about, you know, lo- looking for some of that stuff and looking about mm-hmm. um, new wrestlers that I hadn't heard of or looking into old Saturday night main event and primetime wrestling and stuff that wasn't, you know, on my radar at the time. So, yeah, it was it was pretty great.
3: Well that was one so of the things, you, you know. That. Oh well th- and I and I think Metacrawler or Hotbot or uh whatever <laughs> it was that, that that drove you there. Um but they uh you know, back then it was very difficult to find that footage. I mean YouTube didn't exist. Um if it, I mean if it did it was it was not anywhere near what it is today. Of course WWE network didn't exist. It was really hard to find that footage. And all the stuff that we had in the early days of the site was stuff that I had on videotape. And it would be stuff that I had recorded years ago, or it would be me literally combing every video store I could possibly find to find any wrestling tapes. So, I mean, there were just tons and tons of wrestling tapes. Um, You know, now it's, it's much easier. I can just say, okay, what do I want to write about this week? And I just do a google search you know or hop on the yeah. network and it's all there but back in oh boy uh, in the old days it sure wasn't like that it was it was it was much much more difficult i so,
0: i right. had to jump in already when you said you comb the video store did you mm-hmm. use a big comb like from space balls and comb the video store that way
3: what i would do is i would get a rake just <laughs> kind of like a giant comb Right. <laughs> yeah, for uh, sure. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, it would be funny. I would, I would, I would like, I drive, I drive my wife nuts. we were actually talking about that. We've been married for um, 15 years now. And Congratulations. <laughs> we were, we were talking about the early days of us being together. And she goes, oh man, I remember you used to drag me to all these video stores. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I'm so sorry for God love her this, yeah, I'm so thankful this she's this still said, with me after I drug her through uh you know the fourteenth blockbuster on a Saturday afternoon trying to find uh footage of uh footage of uh you know the uh, kiss demon you know oh
1: gosh kiss demon that's a good one um wow, so after you know wrestler have been around a few years w c w dies what what does kind of lead you to the to the writing of uh, Death of WCW. Is it something that you have some an idea? Brian has what? Where did that come kind of come about?
3: Well, I had written the uh, first book. My, my first yep. book was was you know Russell the very worst of wrestling. Yes, and that was kind of a interesting story in and of itself because someone had said to me, I uh, had written in on a mailbag because they used to have a mailbag section of the site, and they said what would you uh you know would you ever write a book i was like i hadn't really thought about it i was like well you know i could my my degree is actually in uh broadcast journalism and i was like well you know it'd be worth it just to say that degree is finally worth something (laughs) so i think we all have i uh i said i would i have no idea who to talk to about it and somebody said here's people you need to talk to, you need to talk to this guy at ECW Press. You know, they, they publish wrestling books. They may be interested. So I got with ECW Press, and I had sent them. They said, well, if you're really interested in this, you know, and you had to do the thing that all, pub- that all potential authors, if you're going to get signed to a deal, have to do, you have to write a sample chapter. You have to hit, say, here's the table of contents. This is the synopsis of the book. Here are the books that it would compete with. So I did all that. They got the sample chapter. They got all that stuff. And they're like, this is great. We love it. It's really funny. It's fresh. You know, at the time, nobody was writing, you know, wrestling comedy books. Right. And they said, we're going to send you, you know, we absolutely want to do this. They said, we're going to get you a contract. You'll have it in the next couple weeks. So a couple weeks go by, nothing. Month goes by, nothing. Two months go by, nothing. And I had, Email and I said, you know, are you guys really interested in this or not? No, 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 no. We absolutely want to do this. We just we got to find a slot in the schedule. So okay, so six months go by, oh, and I remember telling my wife, well, you know, it was nice that someone feigned interest in me writing a book, but you know, yeah, I guess it just wasn't meant to be. Then ECW calls me, you know, <laughs> literally the next day after I say that, and they said we absolutely want to do this book. We think it'll be—it's really funny, and we absolutely want to do it on one provision. And I was like, "What's what's the provision?" And They said, "We can't call it wrestle crap." <laughs> and I was like, "No, yeah." I said, "I won't, I won't do it." You know, if you're not going to call it wrestle crap, right? And I said, "No, you know, it's there'd just be too many problems with it." And I actually got hot, which I never do. I like never, I never. Yeah, you don't. Did. You don't seem like a a real hot <laughs> No, I, I I am like, I'm pretty mild mannered, but I just said, look, if you're not going to call a restaurant, I'm not writing the book. And I think I pretty much just hung up the phone at that instant. And, then I went to my wife and I said, Hey, you remember the book? She said, yeah. I said, they just called and said they want to do it. She goes, Oh, that's great. I said, that would be if I told them no.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> and so, but then they called back and, and, you know, uh, like a couple weeks later, they, Got back in touch with me and I said, you know, now we'll go ahead and do it. We'll go ahead and do it. We'll we'll roll the dice and and we'll try it. And so uh, they did. I know there was still hesitation on it, but the, they did it. And the book came out and it was, uh, you know, they were really happy uh, with the numbers that it did. And so much so that shortly after that they said, we want you to write. Would you would you write another book? And I was like, well. Yeah, I will, I said, but I don't know what it would be because I don't want to, it's too early to do another Russ Crap book. I, I can't do that. And so we started kicking it around, and it was the book was either going to be the death of ECW, because it had just died, the death of WCW, or I was really thinking about writing a book uh, with um, Matt over at – he was at X Entertainment at the time, com. Now he's at uh, – his new site name is Dinosaur Dracula. And he writes pop culture stuff. So things out of, you know, the, 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 the 80s, 90s, it's all pop culture stuff. And that's right in my wheelhouse, too. And for years, he and I have been wanting to do a book together. We still haven't, but we, we talk about it every couple of years. But anyway okay. – uh, they came back, and they said, we want you to do either Death of ECW or Death of WCW. And I said, okay. I said, but I can't. I thought about it, and ECW, to me, would have been too depressing to write about. Sure. Because you had yeah. people that really were trying. They really wanted to make it work. Yeah. Whereas WCW. I'm not sure where the,
1: yeah, I'm not sure where the humor would come in ECW, right?
3: Exactly, and to me, that's the most important thing. It's one of the things that, <laughs> this will sound very strange, but <clears throat> um, it's something that's driven some people that have worked on WrestleCraft.com with me. It just drives, drives them crazy. But I have never been concerned with numbers. I, I, I To this day, I think I've looked maybe twice to <laughs> see what, you know, what kind of traffic the website gets or anything like that, I've never cared. I've always just wanted to make people laugh. So it was never something where I was like, oh, you know, we, I, I've got to do this to drive traffic to the site or, you know, whatever. My whole goal is always to make people laugh. Anything else, you know, if, if we make some money off a book, great. But the goal is always to make people laugh. So, yeah, that was the other reason why death of ECW would just never – I could have never done it because sure. there was no comedy there. So that's uh, that's how <clears throat> that's how that came about. And then I was like, I don't know enough of the backstage stuff. Uh, I didn't know enough behind-the-scenes stuff uh, to, to attempt to write it on my own. And uh, I had been a figure-four weekly subscriber uh, for years. And I was like, Brian writes a lot like I do. I mean, <laughs> almost to the point that we could probably – intertwine our writing and nobody would really be able to tell who wrote what. And so I contacted him and said, Hey, would you like to, I I got this contract to do, uh, the death of WCW would be interested in writing. And, And thankfully I was, I was very blessed. He said, yes. Uh, and then, so he and I got together, wrote it and, um, the rest as they say is history.
1: Awesome. And I would say the one definitely like one of the strengths of that book is you can't tell. If if you were to tell me, like pick out where there's a switch of writers or where where one stops and the other begins, I would have no clue where to begin. So that, that's definitely a strength of it.
3: And you know what's funny? <laughs> to this day, like if I have to go back and tell you what I wrote and what Brian wrote. It's almost impossible. I almost can't do it. Oh my
2: god! Because that's, I really awesome.
3: don't. I really don't remember. Like if, if I was, <clears throat> there are a couple lines in the book. I'll go. Oh, that was Brian's. Or, oh, that was okay. mine. But as a rule, like overall, I know who wrote. You know, <clears throat> I know who, it, 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 at the beginning who was supposed to write what. But it just got kind of hodgepodged and, you know, I rewrote a, a lot of parts. He rewrote parts. And, yeah, you, you can't it's, – it's really, really difficult to tell uh, who was writing what.
1: So. Nice, nice. So when, when you think back, if you can remember, I guess, when you were writing it, do you are, – are there any parts that stood out as, like, as you said earlier, kind of the easy parts to write or, like, the fun parts or parts that were mostly humorous or anything like that?
3: Uh, 2000. <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's kind of the, the, the whole meat of the fuck. Because it was <laughs> yeah. it was just, it was amazing to see the collapse. Right. And it was, I mean, to me, I just, I always think about this. They presented that, uh, they presented a Hogan Flair match, like one year apart from each other. And I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was like 90%. They lost like 90% of their paying audience yeah. uh, on pay-per-view. And I was like, you know, if – and this is, this is something they did on The Simpsons years and years ago. They had Krusty the Clown come out and say, you know, I'm going to spit in every fifth Krusty burger. And I was like, you know, if Ronald McDonald came out on TV and said, I'm going to spit in every fifth burger, McDonald's wouldn't lose 90% of their paying audience. <laughs> I don't even know how it's possible. But you know, we wrote it, and it was you know just the, when you saw it, you're like, yeah, these people really did not listen to their audience at all. Why don't we, it's you're just crazy? You
0: were talking about the year two thousand and when we covered that chapter. Yeah, year two thousand, only TV I had was just the basic channels, and only WCW program I was able to get was Worldwide. And the only thing I remember from the year two thousand on Worldwide was the whole title switches between what well, which would would have been the May May of two thousand where the title switched between Jarrett to Flair to Jarrett to Nash to Flair back Flair. to uh, Jarrett all within like three weeks and <laughs> on Worldwide, yeah, they barely did it they did not even explain on how the title was switched and all that and I remember seeing Flair I think on Thunder, a clip from Thunder holding the world title and yeah, reading the Ch- reading the chapter two th- on two thousand, like now I expl- Now I know why I remember that. And just it was, you know, it was just stuff like that from the year two thousand. Like it, it speaks a lot on why, within a year after that, there was no more WCW.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, it was also, I mean, it was horrible mismanagement. I mean, there were, they, it was just everything they p- could possibly do wrong, they did. And there was also a very strong, you know, uh, uh, program on the other side of the coin, with with RAW, you know, with WWE. But even then, I mean, even WWE. If you go back and watch some of that 2000 stuff, if you really watch it, it, it was it was not all uh, you know uh, hot fudge sundays, you know, with cherries on top by any stretch.
1: Totally. You could you could definitely see the the two thousand two two thousand three kind of mid or, mid collapse or whatever. You could see that coming. Oh, for sure. You know those. Yeah. After were after being
3: Rock planted. left and in Austin and Austin, uh, Austin retired or you know basically yeah. retired. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, let's see. Yeah. So you kind of t- you touched on the mismanager or, or whatever. I know this is this is tough, but and we know that blame can be spread around everywhere. But if you had to pick a couple like main things like to blame people whatever things for for the death, for the the downfall, what would what would you point to as a person who's probably done more research than
2: most?
3: I mean, it was really that They just did not. They didn't listen to what their fans wanted. I mean that was that's the whole story. Yeah, I I shouldn't say it's the whole story. It's the bulk of the story is they did not listen to what the fans wanted. You know, at at some point, you know, WCW fans wanted WCW to beat the NWO. Yeah, I mean you, you had to. But they made WCW into a laughing stock. They came out every week and said and WO would come out and say, you know, WCW sucks. Yeah. And they did that for so long that they you know, they proved it to be true. Yep. And yeah. you you can't do that. It's it's funny because one of the problems with they've always had with uh uh in in the WWF or WWE, is their invasion angles? Anytime you have an invasion angle, they never make whoever is coming in look strong. Right. That's the one thing WCW did. You know <laughs> they made them look really strong. They made them look too strong, and you know th- there has to be that middle ground. And and I would say that was the biggest thing is they just never they never listened to their fans. I mean, one of, the, one of my favorite stories in the book is <clears throat> you know they had a. A research team, you know, that would go out and talk to wrestling fans and say, you know, do you watch WCW? You know, if you don't, why did you quit? What would make you more interested in the product? And the wrestling fans told them, you know, we want more wrestling. You know, da, 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 da. And the people in charge at the time heard what they wanted and they're like, well, it doesn't matter. That's not what, no, who cares? <laughs> it's not what we want to do. Yeah, I was like, yeah, but oh, they're your paying audience. You you need to you know if you're a business, you know, and that is your primary goal. Uh, I mean, you have to listen to your audience, otherwise, otherwise they're gonna they're gonna go away. I don't, so, yeah, exactly. Uh, and they and they did in record numbers.
0: Right in the book and inner series, it seemed like you know some of the bookers like Dusty Rhodes, Ole Anderson, Kevin Sullivan. It's like when Kevin Nash when. Those guys got the book. It's like they put their themselves or their friends over, and it's like you and Brian weren't really too fond of what I like to call wrestling bookers. Do you uh-huh. do you feel like you know having a, a wrestling booker? I guess yeah, a wrestling booker. Do you feel like that also helped lead led the demise of WCW?
3: Uh, for sure, for sure. I mean, anytime that you're a you know, I mean the most successful people in most businesses you know and i don't mean like a specific business most most, most lines of work they have some ego about them and that's i think that's true in the wrestling business too so if i am in charge of a wrestling company and i have an ego i'm going to think you know who would be the best person to put out there right now that would be me because you know again it's just it's human nature you're going to mm-hmm. you're going to have a large ego and so if you're a if you are a booker and you're also active you're going to promote yourself I, I won't say first and foremost but you're going to promote yourself a lot it's also one of the problems i have with wwe television today you yeah. know is that you watch it and the only people that never get their comeuppance are you know triple h and stephanie mcmahon mm-hmm. you know and, and and you know they are above they are presented at a level above everyone else and you're and that is that's always something that's a real turn off to me as a fan right because i never want to see someone that's that's promoted so far above everyone else that they never get their comeuppance also, yeah. one of the problems I think that you, you've seen with John Cena over the years yeah. is, you know, he's promoted at such a higher level than everyone else uh, that it makes it a challenge for for people to want to, you know, uh, get behind him.
1: Yeah, and if and if anything ever does happen, it doesn't seem real. does because you, yep,
3: you know. you've
1: been conditioned so long.
3: Yep. Yeah, even we whenever just, he loses, like he loses title. Yeah, you know, titles come and go.
1: He
3: comes like, who cares? <laughs> okay.
1: Yep. why should I care? When you're talking yeah. about the NWO, it really makes me think of, I'm sure you've seen, I think Darcy's probably seen, the old Batman show, right? Like from the 60s
3: where it's oh, always – Oh, yeah, you get, you get Vince Russo on. He'll talk to you about the old Batman oh. show.
1: Oh, okay. well, that's interesting. It's interesting you say that.
3: Oh, yeah. But- <laughs> I, I, trust me, whenever whenever Russo and I get together and we, we talk, I, yeah. I don't <laughs> – Russo and I have a very interesting r- relationship. You know,
1: yeah, Vincent I was going to ask you about your uh, relationship with Russo, so we might as well talk now. You know, a lot of people, they blame him, like, sure. first and foremost, right? And, yeah. I, you know, yeah, and in your acknowledgement section, you you talk about him, and I really wanted, yeah. to ask, I wanted to ask about that because, you know, I wanted to ask your opinion, and, you know, has it changed since – Two thousand. Now that you've talked with him, you know several times.
3: Or it's so funny. I was actually uh, I'm, I'm I was scheduled to do the interview with you guys. I'm also uh, going to be on uh, whatever podcast he's doing now too. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, Russo and I have a very interesting relationship. I, I get I get along as a person. I get along famously with Vince Russo. I have no problems with Vince Russo as a person. None. He and I could, it was funny because years ago, we, <laughs> I'll never forget, this was on an old uh, Russell Krupp radio podcast, and Russo was going to be on. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, it's going to be this war. <laughs> and I actually, I think the first time we, it was either the first or second time we talked to him. I talked to my, pod, my, my broadcast partner, Blade Braxton, and I said, we're going to have him on whatever you do, don't ask him anything about wrestling at all. <laughs> and so we, we had him on and that was the whole thing is we didn't talk to him at all about wrestling. We had him on for like an hour and a half or something. It was one of them. I don't know his first or second time, whatever it was, but we literally did not ask him anything at all about wrestling. We talked about New York pizza. We talked about the Batman TV show. We talked about it, all kinds of things, things that we knew he was interested in. We talked about that because if I'm on with Vince Russo and we talk about wrestling, we agree about nothing about wrestling really. <laughs> I mean, we don't, but I mean, if I bring him on and I'm just going to go, yo. You know, uh, when you booked uh, that cruiserweight tournament and you had Medusa win, that was like the stupidest thing ever. the first thing he's going to do, he's just going to get defensive and and he's just going to start screaming at me, and it's not going to make for good audio. And it was funny because the last time, the last time I was on with him, I was on his podcast, and it was a video podcast, and it was on his. It was some insider thing that he had. And it, I was on with him for three hours. Wow, wow. three hours, and we talked about wrestling. And okay. he basically just yelled at me for three hours. <laughs> it was like the funny. I was. He was like bringing stuff up, and I was literally laughing, you know, at how absurd this was. To the point that you know he was acting all offended and everything, and I don't think he was. I think I was just, you know. <laughs> whatever. But yeah, Russo and I we get along fine. I have no qualms with him. Uh, and I did. I you know, I whenever I was writing the book, I reached out to him and I said, Look, I'm writing this book. I said, If you want to counter, if you want to say anything, by all means. I'll send you the manuscript and you can you can counter with whatever you want. I have no problem with that. I'm doing this in the interest of fairness. And so <laughs> I did that and, uh, somehow, and you saw that it was credited in the book, you know, in the, in the thank you <laughs> section. I said, you know, yep. he, we reached out and offered that and somehow that's been twisted into that. We never ask him, you know, anything, of, uh, you know, in the book. So, Oh gosh. Whatever. I mean, we're, we're, but again, Russo and I get along fine. That's uh, good. personally just talking about wrestling I mean, it's, <laughs> There's no point because he views it one way, I view it another. And, you know, everybody's entitled to their opinion. As I'm fond of saying, and as a good friend of mine uh once said, I said, uh, you know, that's why they make chocolate and vanilla. That's what I said to my friend. <laughs> and my friend came back and said, yeah, because you like crappy ice cream. So. <laughs> that's funny.
2: Yeah, think no. of it. Uh, oh, I'm, a,
0: I'm a subscriber to yeah, WrestleObserver.com. I listen to days yep. and brian's podcast all the time
3: oh yeah yeah it like fantastic like, i urge everyone to do that
0: and it seemed like that when the 10th anniversary book came out that, that seemed like a lot of interviews what brian did everybody had to ask him about russo because it seemed like there's some beef between brian and vince and all that i was i guess you know since you you're on talking terms with vince is there uh-huh. any beef uh from vince towards you or brian or anything like that
3: no I, no, I don't think I, – I to be honest, I don't think Brian and, and Russo – Brian and Russo – like, Brian interviewed Russo. He's had him on podcasts before. Or, you know, I shouldn't say podcasts. This has been back in, like, the yada days. I mean, <laughs> he's had Russo on. He's interviewed him before. But, again, I mean, the thing is <laughs> – and if you know Brian and, and how he, he is so – Brian has this drive to him that I, I simply don't. And Brian's like crazy. That's why he's so successful. You know, whenever he... Yeah, the, the story of F4W online, and I mean, I'm not trying to... to <laughs> I, don't, I don't want this to come out wrong because I don't know all the history of it. But Brian has a drive that is crazy. And he deserves all the success in the world because he you know, whenever we first wrote death at WCW, the online thing of F4W, it was, I mean, it was in its infancy. I mean, it had just barely started, but he went full bore and just said, I'm going to make my wrestling website. I want to make it the biggest, you know, wrestling website in the world. And he worked his butt off to do it. And I am so proud. And I'm like, so happy you know, that I got to, to, to work with this guy that just has this crazy drive and crazy desire, and, he you know, he's created the best wrestling website on planet Earth. It's mm-hmm. awesome. It's so great. And he views wrestling one way, and, and, you know, he and I both view wrestling very similarly, and it's not how Vince Russo views it. Okay, yeah. but as I said earlier, I mean I don't get agitated. I don't really get upset about anything. It's just not my personality. Brian is much more. He has <laughs> much more emotion to him. So I think that a Russo, uh, a Vince Russo Brian Alvarez confrontation would would get much. Uglier <laughs> than, <R. laughs>
2: <Right. R. Reynolds. laughs> than an R.D. Reynolds,
3: than an R.D. Reynolds Vince Russo, I and mean, yeah, it's just—I
1: yeah. I don't know if he would avoid wrestling. And that's no—that's no like knock on him. I think he would go right after.
3: Oh, the, and the and I do too. Man. And yeah. it's just you know, it's just uh, uh, different people. Everybody yep. is wired differently, uh, and Brian is much more passionate that what Russo has done to the business has been so detrimental. And I mean, if you look at it, you know, I mean, he was, the, Russo was around when WCW really started its incredible downfall. He was in TNA for most of its existence whenever it never really did much, <laughs> uh, to say the least. And so I think Brian looks at it it's like, oh my gosh, look at this! at oh, this is what this guy ruined. Da, 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 da. And I just look at it. I'm not as, as passionate about it. I'm just like, I kind of look at it more from a uh, outside perspective, you know.
0: I guess kind of right. talked about the demise of WCW. Besides focusing on like one person or Booker's and all that, what were some of the major factors that led to the demise of WCW, in your opinion?
3: Um, you know, again, that they didn't listen to their fans, um, that they had one fantastic idea and that was the new world order, the NWO. I And actually I shouldn't even say one fantastic idea. I look at Eric Bischoff and a lot of people and one of the bad things about the WWE won the war is they will they're rewriting history. Yep, they get And to that write, was one of the things we the wanted to do books. too. It, excuse me.
1: I it always they always say winners write the history books. That's the
3: Absolutely.
2: You
3: know, yep. And that's the case here. And the winners are writing, you know, writing the history books.
2: <clears throat>
3: and, you know, the the same winners that uh, are writing the history books are the same people that have said, you know, there were 93,173 people in the Pontiac Silverdome for WrestleMania Yeah. Even though that's not true, everyone <laughs> believes it, you know, because, they, because it has been said so many times over and over and over and over. <clears throat> and I think one of the things that's really sad is WWE will get someone on their hit list. You know, and The Warrior, you know, years ago yeah. it was The Warrior. Remember, they did self-destruction of, uh, de- of uh, The Ultimate Warrior. Right. <clears throat> and so they wrote that history. Oh, The you know, Warrior was this you know, crazy man, da-da-da-da-da. And I think they have done the same with WCW. That was one of the reasons we wanted to get every detail we possibly could in that book. We originally wrote it because we knew that was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I think is really being whitewashed by WWE, anytime they mention Eric Bischoff on any of their programming, all they talk about is what an idiot he is. Yeah. And that is so not true. (laughs) (laughs) We wrote a lot of of negative stuff about Bischoff in the book because he deserved it. Yeah. And to the point that he was actually threatening a lawsuit against us. But that's really, yeah, that's, that's water yeah, under that. the bridge. Okay, but sure. He, uh, but to this day, I maintain the reason WCW got hot was all Eric Bischoff. All Eric Bischoff. Well, yeah, look, because the... he's the one that came up with, we need to get Ted Turner to spend money. Yep. He's the one that came up with, or got Ted Turner to give them a primetime show. Yeah, with Nitro. With Nitro. He got Nitro in the biggest thing that he did. He flipped this industry upside down. Well, the Monday Night War. He well, changed even with
1: the format.
3: the format was completely different. And he brought in and he gave you all these different all this different wrestling on one show. You had luchadors doing high flying, you had Dean Malenko doing mat wrestling. You had um, You know, you you had the big guys, you had the legends, you know, you had all these amazing talents. And, you know, he also said, we're going to go 100% live and we're going to give away results. And people were furious about that, but it forced change. It forced change in this industry. And you haven't seen anything like it since, you know, since WCW went down. One of the things people always talk about is how stale everything is. Yeah, because you don't have an Eric Bischoff coming around forcing WWE to change. Yeah, there's no, there's course. no, they, trust me, we, we would still be watching, you know, what we were seeing in mid-90s WWF. We would be seeing Duke the dumpster, dumpster Drossy. We would be seeing the Goon. We would be seeing all that stuff if there wasn't a force of change. There was a force of change, and it forced Vince, it forced Vince's hand. He had to change, and that was what Eric Bischoff did. Eric Bischoff, well, I mean, say what you will about him, but he was such a positive driving force in WCW. And then the hardest part of that was then you look at it, and then you see, but he was also the guy at the helm whenever it all started to collapse because he didn't know what to do next. He didn't know the next chapter of the story you know it's kind of like if you watched if you watched the original star wars a new hope right okay and it was an awesome movie and then the next one was even better because there was a there was something to carry on there was the next part of the chapter and there there was we had the opening chapter and a fantastic opening chapter but you could never get to that next part you know right. it was the, yeah. the the sequel was always disappointing because you never knew what to do next.
1: Okay. Yeah, and what I, and what I was gonna say with the, with the Batman thing earlier is I feel like the New World Order is like, you know, all the Batman episodes were two parts, and the first part always ends with Batman in peril, right? Yes. He's always tied up. He's always ready to to hit the saw or whatever. Mm-hmm. I feel like WCW always for you know five years. Wrote that first episode,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they ne- and they never wrote the second one, where Batman was able to escape the rope and throw the Joker in jail and and whatnot, you know. And so they they kept repeating that first episode, never getting to the second one, never getting to the conclusion where he came out on top. And I feel like that was ultimately one of their big big negatives.
3: Yeah, correct, correct. That I mean, that was the thing is they never, you know. I mean, you look at. Honestly, one of the big turning points to me was uh, Hogan Sting at Starrcade. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, I mean that that match should have been. You know, it was Sting, and it was. I'm talking about Eric Bischoff. I mean, this was to me the the most brilliant thing that they ever did. Was they built that match for over a year? I mean, I can't even imagine. You know, somebody doing that today. Oh gosh, Especially oh. Bischoff. I mean, that was one of the things that that drove him into the ground is he never had that patience. But then he had that patience. And he let it build. And build. And build and build and build and build and build. build build. Did their biggest pay per view buy rate ever, but you didn't give the fans what you wanted, what they wanted. They wanted Sting to come out and just, you know, punch Hogan in the face, lock him in the scorpion death lock, or, you know, put hit him in the scorpion death drop. You know, end it. And if that would have been a two-minute squash match, that would have been... I won't say that would have been great. It would have been a million times better than what they did. And I think the people were just like, oh, man, you gave us this, we'll forget it.
1: It's it's so like letting the air out of the balloon, right? Everyone was so excited, and then they just like, you know...
3: Yeah. And then, you know, they had the second chance, which was amazing, you know, with Goldberg. uh And that, to me, was i don't know what the most amazing part about Bill Goldberg was you know i I think that it has to be the the fact that w c w had him and they right. actually booked him in such a way that he got over uh that yeah. he was able to get over in you know in that shark infested you know political scene right. uh that he was able to do that you know and that you know that they screwed it all up isn't really right. shocking. You know, in hindsight, I suppose.
1: Yeah, and we we watched the match. We reviewed the match last week where he won the title in the Georgia mm-hmm. Dome, and man, yep. they had it. You know, yes. si- 80,000, whatever people were in his hand, and you know, you you said uh, the Sting match should have been a short match. There, you the Goldberg eight minutes. In out, mm-hmm. he dominates almost the whole thing. They had it yep. right there. That was their yep. second chance, as you said. Yeah,
3: and they gave it away for free.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's so stupid. It's they could yep. have made so much money. But yep. eh. I know
1: so many squandered opportunities. That one, the you also wrote one of my ones that I that I remember distinctly is they had they kept having chances, then they kept like kind of crapping them away, like the Australia tour, right? Yep. Australia was untapped. <laughs> yeah. They um, go in, they're drawing great crowds, they're hot crowds, everything, but through this booking of the arena snafu, they end up actually losing money because they're paying <laughs> for empty seats and stuff.
3: A very WCW thing. So. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. But like, without... Oh, sorry, so, go ahead. Well, uh, I'd
0: like to kind of tie it back with Bischoff. and the 2001 chapter, you guys were talking about the Bischoff had some, uh, uh, I guess, possible backers to buy the company. Do you guys, mm-hmm. I guess, with your research, do you feel like if Bischoff would have actually bought the company instead of Vince, would, that, would he have had success turning it around, or was WCW too far gone at that point?
3: I almost think WCW at that point was where TNA is today. I think it had a such a... I don't want to say stink, but almost like an well, I, I was going to say like an aftertaste, but mm. hey, I'm going to go with stink instead. <laughs> and that is that it. The neg the the name carries such negative connotations that all anyone can think about is how terrible it is. They can't think about what it once was. All they can think about what the most recent the most recent times and what a bad, what a bad, uh, you know, what a bad company it had become. And I almost wonder if, you know, having WCW just those initials um, would have held it back. Um, I, that I don't know. I mean, and I, I I don't think that, you know, I mean, this was the guy that, you know, like I said, I mean, Bischoff was great,
2: mm-hmm. but
3: he was great. Once upon a time, and then it was never anything that was real successful. Following that first initial huge run, so I don't know that he would have had another trick in his bag to make it be a success. And my concern is, you know, when he got to TNA, I didn't see any tricks in his bag that made that a success.
1: No, he and to that was
3: I, thing. I mean, that's 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 a tough call though because. You know TNA again. You have a stink uh, to it that I it would be very hard to overcome. So
1: sure, yeah. That's a that's a really good point. Yeah, where where does uh, I guess now we're thinking if if it's true in September they're canceled. Where do they go and would they ever be able to build up again? You know, yeah. Uh, who knows? Yeah. yeah. Uh, just so I just have a couple like kind of. I think funny questions or anything like okay. that just you know to, to tie back to like the worst of. So, question here. Who had the better WCW debut? Shockmaster or
2: Yeti? Oh.
3: <laughs> I I am going to go with uh I'm going to go with Shockmaster just cuz <laughs> I love Fred Altman so much. Sure. I I just love I love that man. He's he like the so nicest
1: much, yeah,
3: guy ever. And he's he's somebody that like gets it. Right. He's like, yeah, you know, I fell down flat on my face. And he like know, laughs about it now. I know.
1: I've, se- I've seen him talking about it. He seems just yeah. so down to earth about it. Yeah. Just like yeah. It, nobody told him to watch out for that freaking piece of wood. And there he goes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, whatever.
3: Yeah. He reminds no, me so right. much of, uh, he reminds me so much of quake you know john tenta who was always just a dear friend i was you know, i was gonna ask funny those I was gonna, two were I was together, together so yep i was I, gonna
1: ask you about i was gonna ask you about earthquake too because i know that you had such a a deep relationship with him and i think he's one of my favorites too i remember when i first started watching was when he was uh, you know running amok and crushing hogan and all that and i always followed him and it's it's uh yeah he he was great great too. And he was, he was
3: that. great. And he was, he was, he was the first guy that wasn't afraid to talk to wrestle com. I mean, he, I mean, it was really, he was not, he got it. He was able to laugh at himself mm-hmm. and so many people in this business can't and <laughs> yeah. Fred Otman's one of them that can as well. And I mean, he is just, if you ever get a chance to talk to Fred he is like, so awesome and the fact that he goes around selling tugboat hats just makes him the, the greatest man you know on the 100%. planet in my opinion
0: well, it kind of, that is awesome. talk about Earthquake yep. I feel like one of the greatest promos what it had been I think leading up to the Great American Bash 96 where he came out and said that he's not an avalanche he's yep. not a fish he's not a shark yep. he's a man, a man. where yep. do you rank that famous promo Artie <laughs>
3: Oh, I, I love it. That one's, that one's near and dear to my heart, especially because he told me the story of, <clears throat> and I, I, I apologize if, if you guys have heard this before, but it's one of my favorite so. uh, John Tanta stories ever. So he was telling me about, he, you know, he went to LSU, so he had a big tiger tattooed on his arm, right? And mm-hmm. he was going to be the shark. And so WCW told him, well, you know, you can't be the shark with that big tiger on your arm. You got to do something about that, and he's like, "Okay." So he went in, and I think it was like 22 hours of uh, them working on this tiger to make it. It was supposed to look like a shark. It just wound up looking like this big black blob. It was just horrible. But he was doing it because you know he was told you can't be the shark with a big tiger on tattooed on your arm. So he goes and does all this, 22 hours of tattoo, you know, uh, tweaking, whatever you would call it. He's back for two weeks, and they said, yeah, you're not going to be the shark anymore. <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: oh. But John, John would do, and this is the case. This is why I never. Uh, we always try never to make fun of the actual wrestlers on WrestleCrop.com since day one. We've never wanted to make fun of the wrestlers because they're just guys – they're just trying to put food on the table. They're just trying to yeah. put a roof over the head for their family, for their kids, for themselves. And so he was just out doing what, you know, somebody was telling him to do. Yeah. His boss and was telling him to do this. Yeah. So And
1: isn't that so him and so WCW at the same time? Like they yeah. be <laughs> they being so fickle and him being so I okay, I'll do whatever you want. You yep. want me to you want me to go in and get a shark tattoo? over this very meaningful, you know, tiger tattoo I have, go for it. Yep.
3: Yep. You know? that was and that was John. And, and that's yeah. why I, I go back and I'll say, you know, I'll go with I'll go with the Shockmaster because we can laugh about that, so. Right. I guess yeah. I mean, you can laugh about the Yeti too. Yeti. <laughs> you can laugh about that too, but Shockmaster <laughs> is always going to be just awesome. So.
0: What is what your favorite or most ridiculous WCW gimmick match?
3: Uh, It wasn't so much a gimmick match, but the one that I always think of uh, was the Black Scorpion, where he showed up to Starcade in a spaceship for some reason.
1: (laughs) First, he's a magician, then he's an alien. Yeah, and he
3: made tigers disappear, and uh, you know, guys would he'd spin their heads around and all (laughs) kinds of stuff. That was that was great when he showed up in a spaceship. I was like, wow, this is this is fantastic. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> with like 10
3: different black scorpions. Yeah, 10 different black scorpions. You didn't know which one. I mean, it was like, uh, you know, yeah.
1: <laughs> awesome, awesome. My personal favorite will always be at least the promos leading up to the Yappa Pie Strap match.
3: Oh, Yappa Pie, yep. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? yeah. I, I was so uh, happy with. Strat- I don't know how I hadn't inducted that until like last year, but I was so happy. Oh, you know to, I, yeah, to actually have, have written about that. So.
1: The for, Strap Master Jimmy Hart. I love
3: yeah. That stuff. Yeah. I for me, it yeah. has
0: to be that steel the first blood steel cage match that Hogan and Flair had. I think <laughs> uncensored 1999 that yes. ended in a submission, even though Flair was all bloody. They both yeah.
2: did. <laughs> yeah.
3: And then I mean, you, and then you talk blood, and you think about the new blood rising, where the blood would fall from the ceiling and it never oh, hit anyone, and
1: <laughs> and they're supposed to be knocked out by the yeah. blood. there's
3: and there's someone one moved I, into it. I need to start doing uh, heavy research on that so I can uh, do an induction on that over at RussellCraft.com. Oh gosh, so.
1: I, I will love that one.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, in the years, you know, in the years since this has came out, has there what's like your your coolest or weirdest or, or any type of, you know, feedback that you've gotten on the book, you know, maybe from an unexpected source or, or anything like that, you know, some crazy person that read it, that came through the grapevine back to you or anything like that.
3: My, my favorite, uh, I mean, there've been a lot of them. The one that was unexpected. and I've never talked to him was Scott Hudson. You guys remember Scott Hudson? Yes. He used to, oh, uh, commentary, you know, he, um, when the book first came out, he actually, I don't know if he did a review or just posted on, I don't know if it had been MySpace or Facebook or whatever, <laughs> but he was just like, I don't know how they got all this, but it was, it's amazing that they got it all and they got it all a hundred percent right. <laughs> it's just like awesome because you know, the people, no. that, the people that, the people that, uh, there are people that don't want to admit, you know, that we did, that we got all this stuff right, you know, and, and of course there's, you know, there's famous saying, there's three sides to every story, yours, mine, and the truth. And, uh, you know, our, our, uh, you know, we, we tried to research it and give the absolute best information we could, uh, with the book. And I think we did a really good job with it. And, but that was the one that I, I mean, cause it was just so out of the blue, uh, because well, I mean, I hadn't talked to Scott Hudson or anything, and <clears throat> didn't even think about talking to him. And, and just to see, you know, there's this guy that was there when all when Rome was burning, and he's like, yeah. man, these guys nailed it. They absolutely got it.
2: Well,
0: think of it. How oh. do I? I see. You no, know, I googled uh, death of WCW and clicked on images just to see what I can uh, see besides, uh, you know, your guys' covers, and I saw a picture of. Kevin Nash and Joy Style sitting at a table somewhere and Nash is thumbing through the book the the first edition and
3: I guess oh it was, Actually I love Nash's Nash's uh thing on it too cuz he was like, "Well, they didn't even write about, you know, uh, you know, the the Time Warner buyout." And I was like, "Yeah, we did." Oh my gosh. We, we, yeah. <laughs> of course we did. Yeah. But you know, to this day he will say you know, these guys didn't, didn't write about this. They didn't write about this. They didn't write about this. And all that says is, okay, you didn't read the book. Yeah, and, someone, and that's fine.
1: Someone told them about it. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah that's fine. You don't, you don't have to read the book. I don't, I don't care. But I, I've never understood, you know, criticizing a book or a movie or what have you if you didn't read it. And that was actually one of the things. Back to Russo for a second. Is I actually re- I've read his books. Uh, Russo has written two books. He he wrote uh, uh, you know Forgiven, and then he also wrote uh, you know uh, Rope Opera: How WCW Killed Vince Russo. And I had read both of those books. So whenever I did we, you know we, we did the one famous uh, uh, you know podcast where we didn't talk wrestling at all. We did another one where we did talk about wrestling, and and I had read the book. I had read both of his books, so I could talk about them. I could critique them, and then he would critique mine. But he has never read them, you know. And he'll be, the, he, I mean, if you get him, if you get Vince, if you get if you get Vince off air, he will admit to you he's never read the book. On air, he may tell you, "I absolutely read this book, and this is what you know. It was said this, but I mean." That was the thing with Nash is, you know, they, and a lot of them, they were like, well, they didn't talk about, the, the, you, know, the, you know, how Turner didn't have any veto power or anything. And it was like, no, that was like one of the primary points we made in the book <laughs> Yeah, is that wow. <laughs> without Ted Turner, had Ted Turner been around, you know, WCW wouldn't have died. But right. said Ted Turner didn't have the, the power to veto it. There was, you know, there was no way that it was not going to die. So
0: I right. was thinking mm-hmm. I got three mm-hmm. quick questions before we start sure. finishing up the interview. One, WCW Slam breed nineteen ninety eight, the whole Bischoff versus McMahon match. For some reason, I, I, I remember renting the VHS from my local video store back in the day, and I have a memory for some reason of when supposedly when Vince was gonna come out, they played No Chance in Hell. Is my memory uh is my memory Incorrect about that, and I guess what's more, do you, do you remember the backstory behind the whole Bischoff challenging McMahon back in '98?
3: Yeah, Eric was losing his mind. That was the backstory, <laughs> and he thought, and we detailed this in the book. And it was great because in in Bischoff's book, again, <laughs> if I'm going to critique something, I want to, you know, I want to read it. So I actually had had read Bischoff's book, you know, and it was. Eric absolutely believed if he called out Vince, Vince would be so manly that he would not, (laughs) not he, Vince wouldn't back down. So Eric absolutely believed that (laughs) Vince was going to show up. He believed it, and he and and Hogan was like, brother, he's going to show up. (laughs) <laughs> and 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 Bischoff in, even talks in his book, and we we quoted Nars. You know, he, he talked about how he was training, and you know how he you know he felt that his karate would be able to to help him out. You know, and it's just like this is this man was doing all this hard training for a match that was never ever going to take place. No, never. F- but 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 I mean that was you know you get in, you know you get. You get in this mindset that you're believing something's going to happen, and you know you you work yourself to thinking this is really going to happen. I better if this is really going to happen, I better get ready.
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: This is a big jacked up dude. I gotta I gotta you know get ready with my karate to make sure I can take him down.
0: In my second whatever three, my second of three questions deals with deals with another jacked up guy. What's the whole uh, situation between Goldberg challenging Austin to a? Fight on the Tonight Show.
3: Uh, <laughs> again, it was one of those things that I don't, That Goldberg, I'm sure, never, ever, ever, ever wanted to do that. But he was told, hey, do this. And again, I think it was the same thing. Would they take the bait? And of course they're not going to take the bait. That would have been idiotic. Why would you yeah. go do that on somebody else's show? That's just going to give them credibility. So, in my third quarter it's so different than I mean, years later, TNA, I mean, they did that with uh, when the New Age Outlaws were there, right? Yeah. Billy Gunn and uh, um, Road Dog. And they were challenging uh, uh, Sean and Trif- Hunter and Sean to show up in the impact zone. We're going to give you a million dollars if you show up. It's just like. Of course, they're not going to do that. You just get in this mindset. Well, maybe if we maybe if we do this, this guy will show up. Maybe if I you know say bad things about him, he's going to show up. Cooler heads are going to prevail, especially whenever Vince is involved.
0: Then my third question: Can we expect uh, another pinship between Artie Reynolds and Brian Alvarez on the death of TNA?
3: Well, you know we teased that, didn't we? <laughs> And it's funny because we, were, we go back and forth on it. And one of the things that, you know, again, I, I just want to make people laugh. Brian is driven, and he is a businessman. He's way more of a businessman than R.D. Reynolds could ever hope to be. And Brian's whole thing is always, is anyone going to buy this book? Because they whittled it. Like, at the end, WCW still had a ton of fans. And TNA has whittled their audience down to almost nothing. So it it becomes a, is it worth writing, you know, from a monetary standpoint? Because it takes a lot of time to write these books, research them and all that. But I look at it from an Artie Reynolds standpoint. (laughs) I'm like, this is the stupidest company that has ever existed. How can we not write this? So I, I, you know, I, I, think I would say it's a coin flip, but you know, I have my way, and it would, uh, we would definitely do it because it's, it's, it's just too funny. It's just too. This company is just the dumbest. I have never heard of a company that's any dumber than TNA was. It was, it was a failure from the time that they announced. Here's the initials for our company, TNA. That's like the dumbest name ever.
0: Thinking of it, I've heard rumors that it was Vince Russo that coined
3: the term TNA. Is that true? That's fact. Okay. Yeah, it's fact. And he wanted TNA to stand for not for total nonstop action. (laughs) He wanted it to be, you know, what TNA stands for. And that's, you know, that was the clever thing that, that he came up with. And it's just like... That's, I mean, from the beginning, you know, I've always said that's just the dumbest name for a company ever. Because you can't, it's, it, you, if you're going to watch something, you have to think about all the different demographics, right? I've mentioned my wife several times. And if I'm at home with my wife and she says, what are you going to do tonight? Well, you know, it's Wednesday night. I want to watch some TNA. What, what's she going to say? I mean, if she didn't know what it was, you can't say that to somebody and not think, oh, my gosh, you know, what a perv. Totally. So,
0: Beverly, do you have any yeah. uh, last couple questions before we wrap it up? Oh, he, uh, he stepped away. I guess, uh, what is your favorite WrestleCrep induction that you've written over the past few years?
3: Oh, man. <laughs> I've had 15 years of them, so... Um, I think I, uh, there have been so many, uh, and I've had so much fun. I, I remember I wrote the WrestleMania two induction with uh, Blade and Harry Simon, <clears throat> and that was a lot of fun uh, just because it was three of us ganging up on it. Uh, the one I'll always <laughs> – this is so stupid. The one I will always remember writing is – do you remember when Dustin Runnels was in WCW yeah. as Seven? Yes. And he came out, and he he had this white, pasty face, and they had these vignettes where uh, a horse would look in a child's window. (laughs) And I always would, I I just remember, you know, I I, uh, wrote a line, and it's so immature and shows so stupid, but I was always like, a lot of people think that Vince Russo wrote, you know, the seven gimmick, but he didn't. And that's a fact. He did not He did not have anything to do with the seven gimmick. I said, in the induction, I said, if Russo would have rode it, that horse wouldn't have been known as the pale horse. It would have been the baloney pony. <laughs> and I don't know why. I just thought that was like something so immature and so stupid. And to this day, I still like uh, giggle, you know, like a, 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 a fourth grader that's heard his first dirty joke, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, I know in the book you guys were talking about Jamie Kellner in the 2001 chapter, and mm-hmm. you know, it seemed like that when Jamie Kellner came in after the AOL Time Warner merger, things, WCW was pretty much written off. And I don't know Beverly and I did a top five killers list of WCW, and my number one had to have been Ted Turner. Uh, since he's seemed like he never really put his foot down on hiring somebody like Jamie Kellner even sooner to, I guess, um, make WCW responsible for their financial decisions and whatever else. Do you feel like Jamie Kilner got or deserves all the heat that he got in two thousand one and afterwards because he was a quote unquote killer of WCW?
3: Uh yeah because he, he, he did not want it on he didn't want wrestling on his on his station. I mean it was still doing even at the end, I mean you're doing two million viewers. That's a lot of people watching. Yeah that's but a lot. they had they had no interest you know he had no interest he, he thought it was lowbrow entertainment and to be fair i mean in a lot of ways uh, wrestling is lowbrow entertainment and it and it caters to a you know we have intelligent people you know that watch it obviously you guys i like to think me you know and there there are a lot of people yeah. out there that are very intelligent that watch it but i mean it does cater to a lower demographic it's really hard to sell you know ads for it you don't you, i mean how often do you see a lexus ad on raw you never do <laughs> And I mean, that's, you know, that's, it's a real challenge to sell, to sell advertising time on wrestling. And that's one of the reasons why I think it was easy for Jamie Kellner to say, no, we need to kill it. So,
0: so yeah, Beverly, you're back. Uh, Do you have any final questions or anything before we wrap it up? Uh,
1: no. Before we just thank RD, I guess, but yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Artie, uh, I guess the floor is all yours for plugs and everything else.
3: Oh, I always just say just go to com. Uh you can find out everything there. We've been the uh Worst of Wrestling uh since April 1st 2000, so 15 years. Uh we have our books. We've actually I've actually done four books now. Uh, I did uh, Russell Russelcraft, The Very Worst of Wrestling, The First Death of WCW, um the Russelcraft book of lists, which I mentioned, and then we did the Death of WCW 10th Anniversary edition. Uh also if you're interested in the old days of Russell Crap, uh we actually have an archive section uh and I think it's like 1495 or something and that gives you unlimited access to everything that we've ever written on the site. Uh that's not a that's not a monthly recurring fee that is a one time fee. You just pay it once. It's always there for you. You can you know uh watch old uh, uh Russell Crab videos uh we're blade and i were doing stupid stuff you can read all the old (laughs) inductions all the old mailbags everything's there so
0: thank you again Artie, for coming on his twitter but i might as well pull up his twitter handle but yeah you
1: guys (laughs) can go to wrestlecrap.com to to... go to wrestlecrap wrestlecrap is awesome like i said during the interview it's basically the thing that pulled me into my crazy internet wrestling fanhood it, like i said those magic ask.com or mama.com or whatever google alternative at the time funny wrestling and i got to wrestle crap and i wish i could remember what the induction was the first one that i read but i laughed and my butt off in some computer class on one of those three thousand dollar computers that he was talking about. Obviously, not using it for Spanish or whatever <laughs> see, see. thing that I, a graphic design or whatever thing I was supposed to be doing. Um, but reading that instead, and uh, so a, a true kind of monumental figure in my wrestling fanhood is R.D. Reynolds and it was truly an honor to have him on the podcast more than anything. I was like geeking out. I'm sure he would like laugh at this as you know, a person himself there like, wow, what a, what a weirdo. But I, wow. It was such an honor to have him here. So
0: yes, his website is Russell and his yep. Twitter handle is at Russell R D again, <laughs> that's at Russell crap. R D and I had a fun time with Artie That you know, well, I think back in October, I had when they re, re well, when they released the tenth anniversary version. I had Brian on. I wish I could had Brian on as long as we had R D on, but Brian had was time limited. So
1: well, like like R D says, Brian has a crazy schedule to keep, and yeah. he's he's running around twenty four seven. He's so, a busy guy. So it's great to have the other
0: author on. And all that to go more in depth and all that so it was fun to awesome. finally finally wrap up the death of wcw series and talk to rd and i guess one of the coolest things i i liked about rd you know that interview that we just wrapped up with was that, that him and vince or him and vince russo are yeah. cool with one another and all that yeah and you know if they don't talk about wrestling then they're
1: cool, and, you know, and all that. But if they talk about wrestling now, yeah, they <laughs> butt heads and all that. But well, you know, that's a that's a better man than I. If I have someone who I don't get along with on one subject, there's a a slim chance that I'd be able to talk with them about other stuff. So that that's impressive on both their accounts that they can still get along and chat.
0: <laughs> so, like we discussed in our wrap up podcast last week, and if you guys don't have your uh, your copy of the book, go to Amazon dot com. Go to other. Fellow bookstores out that are still there, if there are any out there, and pick up pick up the book. And Beverly, you mentioned that you read the PDF version of the book. Yes, where uh-huh. can they find the
1: e version of the book? Uh, that, I want to say is on ECW Press. Okay. Uh, I don't I don't know if that is ecwpress.com, dot com, but if you would search uh death of wcw and get to the ECW Press site, you would be able to download it there. That's where I downloaded it. That is where I was able to uh read it in my iBooks on my iPad. So not only can you just download the file, you can also read it on an e reader. So there you go.
0: I do believe uh Death of WCW is up on iTunes for you can download as a ebook I believe there. Okay. So so, I yeah. guess, yeah, do we have we might as well do our plugs for the podcast, Amazon,
1: everything else, too. Yes, you know, the
0: basic ways. Yeah, so, so yeah, our plugs. You guys can check us yes. out at com. You guys can listen to us again at our website, madeeventstatus.com. You guys can listen to us on our SoundCloud page. Sound uh, soundcloud.com slash mid status radio. Not sounddown.com. Sound <laughs> That's probably somewhat da- different. Soundcloud.com slash mid status radio. We mentioned
1: iTunes Beverly. What's our plug on iTunes? <laughs> you gotta get you gotta try. We're trying. We're fighting, we're clawing. Try to get us above Jim Ross and the Ross report and his hashtag saucy attitude. You know It's made with love. Thinking of it. <laughs> Tied in with Artie, isn't that what he says? Yes. On that one, Kitchen Impossible. Yes. You know, tying in with Artie.
0: <laughs> you know what? We don't care about our numbers, Daddy O and Daddy E. <laughs> we just want to beat Jim Ross and his saucy what? Attitude. One
1: man. We want him, or you know what? You know what? If Jim Ross wants to come on here, we could talk about saucy attitudes, <laughs> and and we want to talk about you know his his original barbecue sauce, or his uh, his Chipotle barbecue sauce, that's his new thing. You know, if he wants to come on and talk about that, we're open, man. Come on. We'll, you know, and we'll stop talking about trying to pass you. We'll just try to talk about getting even with you. So, you know, come on, Jim Ross. Come over to our side. Share the saucy attitude.
0: Yes, and I hope Jim Ross doesn't insult you like Artie did and call you a female. <laughs> It is what it is. <laughs> Fair enough. You guys can also, you guys can um, interact with us on the social media, facebook.com slash mid status radio, just like our SoundCloud URL, facebook.com slash mid-event status radio. Go there, like us, interact with us there. You guys can also interact with us on a Twitter machine. Beverly, how can they interact with you there?
1: Uh, that is at Beverly Hills M-E-S. And for me,
0: it's at Dirty Dog, M E S, Dog, as in D A W G, Dirty Dog, M E S. Beverly Hills, I am so thrilled. We can wrap up the wrap up of Death of WCW. We can finally take it off the shelf again and put it in another box and put it back on the shelf.
1: <laughs> I'll just. It, it's still on my app. I, I, I'll be able to pull it up if I ever want to, but, you know.
0: I'm happy about that. And <laughs> for Artie Reynolds and for Mr. Beverly Hills, I am the Dirty Dog Darcy. Stay dashing, made of Be
1: nice to everyone. Yeah!
3: That was amazing. You get... Much more time than anyone else. (laughs) That is our show. Good night, everybody.
2: That's so good.